The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome in at long last to another episode of the Story World Podcast. Steve Schramm here with my boy Al. What's up, Al? I'm uh, excited for tonight, although it feels like we should have been done with this parable session uh, when we started at the beginning <laughs> of the year for our uh, second year going yeah. into this. Uh, yeah. It feels like we've, it's been strung along for a while, but it's been a, a good series, I think. No, it has been. It has been good. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, you know, all good things come to an end. So we are working on our actual last parable tonight, right? This is our last one. Um, and then I think next we might, I, I think we talked about doing an episode that, about the purpose of parables, which it might be kind of weird that we didn't do that to start with, but like there's a reason for it because parables maybe aren't what you think to tease that for next time. So, um, um, so we can talk a little bit about like why Jesus used parables and what, what the Bible actually says that the purpose of parables are. But for tonight, we're going to be talking about another one of my favorite parables in the Bible. It's weird to say that though, right? Because like a lot of parables, including this one are a little bit depressing, right? Like, yeah. you know, can you, are you allowed to have a favorite depressing parable? I mean, I guess, cause I do. So. I mean, people have favorite depressing movies and <laughs> favorite depressing friends. So mm. might as well have yeah. your favorite depressing parable. Mm-hmm. And actually that might be a good uh, uh, point. So this is, there's, there's a couple like Bible nerd things to talk about on this one. One of them being um, there are some people who I think question, right? I think this is the one, right? That even that a lot of people question whether this one even is a parable. Um, I think yeah. there are some people who actually think this story um, Jesus was telling the story uh, of somebody that actually happened. And then there are other people who believe it's a parable. I don't know the evidence for either side, but it's kind of fascinating that uh, there are some who come down on the fact that this is not a parable. So. Do you have a opinion or lean slightly one way or the other? I've kind of, I've always assumed that it's based on something real just because you kind of hear the trope like, oh, well, this is the only parable where he actually named someone specifically. But the more I read it, it just yeah. it seems like just a very good parable. But mm-hmm. I'm not convinced yeah. of that. It just that's just kind of what I lean towards. I think the thing that makes it uh, feel less like a parable to me is is the specificity about this person's family member who had Moses and the prophets, as we're going to see in this parable. Who, um, I mean, it seems to be talking about a real person in the past who had access to information about who Jesus was, hmm. and. Um, um, and so you don't really see that specificity in the other parables, especially the ones that we covered. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure that you can point to any one of them and, yeah, and say, sure. yeah, there's something specific about this parable that, um, you know, they all, they all do feel rather generic, uh, in a way that this one doesn't. So that is something fascinating. So I've always leaned on the side of, you know, 
I've never come down hard on, yeah, it really happened or it's a parable. I'm, I'm just kind of like, it feels more like it's based on reality. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I get that. So, uh, not, so this is I'm not going to say you're not a Christian either way. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I appreciate you giving me the benefit of the yeah, doubt no, there. Good. No problem. Um, yeah. So this one is in Luke uh, chapter 16 and verses 19 through 31. And Alex, if you want to just read the little description uh, yeah. that we have here, that would be great. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells the tale of two men, a nameless rich man and a poor beggar named Lazarus. The rich man lives in opulence, feasting daily, while Lazarus, covered in sores, lies at his gate, yearning for mere crumbs. Upon their deaths, their fates reverse. Lazarus is escorted by angels to paradise, resting beside Abraham. In contrast, the rich man is tormented in Hades. Um, I think maybe we just start there. I know there's more to it, but... Mm, yeah yeah so taking it taking it in strides a little bit yeah i'm down with that yeah so um so this is interesting um you've got you've got uh hades and paradise this is actually something that a lot of people have questions about um where are they right now right what happens when you die um i thought that the bible said that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. So what's going on there? Now, I, I could put you on the spot a little bit here, Alex. Do you have any thoughts or opinions about what's going on there? Or do you know? Or have you ever thought about it? I have no thoughts or opinions of anything that happens before Revelation. So <laughs> Revelation well. is, is, what I, is, is what I have uh, spot on. Um, actually, no. <laughs> That's I, hilarious. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I, I don't with this one. Um, I haven't yeah. done my research well enough to give an adequate answer on what's happening. Mm. Here. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, Paul says that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the hope of the Christian is that um, wherever you are, when you die, you are with Jesus. Um. There are a lot of people who think, and this is a bigger topic than we can cover in the parable, right? But but there are a lot of people who sort of have the impression that when you die, you go to a quote-unquote heaven. And that is partially true, um, partially not true. Um, for example, we don't have any sort of, at least there's no indication that we have any sort of body immediately when we die. Right, because we're going to be reunited with our bodies and made glorified. Uh, we will have glorified resurrection bodies. And um, so by all indications, when we, when we die, we are sort of in this intermediary state where our soul lives on, but it's detached from our body. So we live on in some sort of immaterial uh, sense. And so, you know, I, I, just to use a specific example, I remember lots of people saying when my grandfather died, oh, well, he's finally up there with his brother, Bob, you know, fishing. And I bet they're fishing right now. or like strolling down the streets of gold and like talking. And um, okay. The reality is that from the biblical data, we can't really say that. Um, it's, it doesn't appear that we're at that point yet. And so, What's going on? Well, um, what could be going on here? So notice that you've got you've got sort of paradise and Hades. So 
these are basically, if you understand sort of the Jewish worldview and mindset, these are basically two compartments of the underworld. Okay. So in the Jewish, in the Jewish world, you, uh, you went to the underworld called Sheol, right? You went to the underworld, uh, the grave, the pit, and there were a few different compartments in the grave and the pit. One was called Hades. That was the compartment where the bad people went, right? One was called a paradise, which is kind of a name given to the compartment where the righteous went. You even had a compartment called Tartarus, which is mentioned in Jude and First Peter. And this is where the angels that sinned, Genesis 6 um, stuff before the flood, um, where they are, um, the Bible says, imprisoned in chains of gloomy darkness. And so you have a few different chapters in sort of the whole Jewish conception of the, of the underworld. Um, one of the things, so like for, for a Jew, um, their idea was that you went to paradise and there was one resurrection in the final resurrection at the very end of days, when the new Messiah came, whoever that is, um, the Jews would be captured. They had the hope of being captured out of Sheol, out of the grave, and then made to live with um, with the Father. Now, of course, they don't believe in Jesus. At least they don't believe that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And so uh, I'm a little unclear on this, I have to be honest, but my, my, uh, my understanding is that sort of the mainstream view of this is, especially if you're if you're a Christian or like if you're a Christian, you probably don't think about this very much, but especially if you're a Messianic Jew, you have sort of this notion that when the Messiah came, that did happen. And so when the Messiah um, was, was um, murdered on the cross, when Jesus was, was murdered, you remember that um, in, is it first Peter that mentions this uh, in that same sort of passage where it talks about how he basically descended into the lower parts of the earth. Mm -hmm. So he descended into one of these compartments, Tartarus and preached um, liberation to the captives. Um, basically what he did was he went down there and said, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I want you guys lost. Right. He preached to the imprisoned spirits that were, uh, that are held in chains of gloomy darkness said, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I won. You guys lost. Sorry. Um, and then the, um, I believe the mainstream belief is that at that point, those who were in the underworld, um, in paradise, the righteous were then from that point with Christ after he ascended to the right hand of the father now are with Christ. And so, to be with him, what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Today, you shall be with me in paradise, right? There's the mention of paradise again. Again, paradise in their thinking here is not the streets of gold, heaven, the final resurrection, new earth, new Jerusalem, new heavens and all of that. It's this compartment of the underworld. And so is that where Jesus is today? That's arguable, right? We, the Bible doesn't really tell us. It's just that wherever believers are, they're wherever Jesus is. Is that paradise? Is that some alternate dimension? And they've all been snatched out of paradise. Um, I think what I've described is basically the mainstream sort of Jewish view. And then the unrighteous dead, if you will, are in, again, in Sheol, in whatever, in, in Hades, uh, presumably that still exists wherever, you know, does it have, does it have latitude and longitude? I don't know, but apparently that is a realm that exists where the unrighteous dead are. 
Um, and then in the final resurrection, of course, we will be made to live in the new heavens and the new earth with glorified resurrected bodies and the, um, uh, the unrighteous dead, those who never trusted in Christ, um, will eventually be cast into the lake of fire, et cetera, et cetera. That's sort of mainstream biblical teaching. So that was a little bit of a diatribe, but there's a lot going on there in this little parable. Everything you just said was exactly what I was thinking. Oh, perfect. Well, <laughs> so, that, that settles it then. Yeah, I should have just I should have just answered the question when you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> it must be accurate. It must be accurate. <laughs> no, it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. What's funny is just because we're paralleling stuff, how much of a uh, backstory and world building that is to a whole mindset to a culture and a people and maybe even reality mm -hmm. in, in a lot of different respects so that's mm -hmm. uh yeah really interesting um, well it, it speaks to how cool the bible is too because yeah, oh, yeah. there's there is especially as we keep going here yeah there is a theological point to this parable that is uh, that is unrelated to all the like nitty-gritty details of that but like the details make the bible so cool <laughs> you know and so there's lots to talk about there so i like the details yep so. absolutely um so going now focusing to um the current state of lazarus and the rich man um desperate the rich man beseeches abraham asking for lazarus to bring a drop of water for relief abraham highlights the chasm between them noting the rich man's past comfort and lazarus's suffering no one can cross this divide in a final plea the rich man asks for lazarus to be sent to warn his brothers of this fate Abraham retorts, they have the teachings of Moses and the prophets. If they won't heed those warnings, they wouldn't eat, even if someone were to rise from the dead. Um, yeah. There's a lot of interesting things to that I notice here. It, it kind of paints a picture. You, you almost envision Lazarus and, and Hades and whatever that looks like on one side, and then this big chasm, whether it's a physical, it, it almost is described as physical um or however you want to project it yeah uh, paradise on the other it's obviously a situation where the rich man can see lazarus um in whatever type of space that's in um and we don't yeah. often we almost think of a permanent or kind of referring to what you were talking to before you almost think of a permanent such um separation here's you know the the quote-unquote the good the just the righteous those who have been redeemed by, by Jesus, then you have everyone else, and then that's that. But it seems to be some type of uh, connection here where um, at least the rich man is able to see Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Well, and that feeds into what I was talking about with the Jewish worldview of the, of the underworld, right? The underworld is sort of has these compartments, and at least in this expression of it, which I'm not uh, I won't pretend that I'm like super familiar with other expressions of it, but at least in this expression of it, you almost have this idea where it's like, I don't know, double, not, not double paint glass, double sided glass or anything like that. But like, you almost have like this glass almost divide between them where they can see each other and even interact, even though you can't cross that chasm. Um, it's really interesting. Maybe to a little bit more context with Abraham, right? This, this area of, of paradise, et cetera, is also referred to as Abraham's bosom um, in the scriptures. And so that's a, a terminology that you'll hear um, sort of used for this. But what you just described is basically the main, um, you know, the main theological thrust of the passage. Basically, um, had the rich man known that it was going to be this way in the afterlife he would have maybe made some different choices um 
And, and it gets worse when he asks Abraham to go warn his brothers and his family and all. And he's like, well, but they already have Moses and the prophets. They had the same opportunity to read things that I did or that you did. And so why believe, like, even if someone were to rise from the dead and go tell them, um, they wouldn't believe. And isn't that so fascinating that that's basically what happened with Jesus, right? It's like, it's like if you didn't believe Moses and the prophets, you know, you're probably not going to believe uh, when Jesus rises from the dead either. And of course, we find a lot of Jews in that situation where they don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. And so this story sort of illustrates that it's, it's almost kind of meta in that sense, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, one thing that I find interesting is that Abraham does all the answering for Lazarus. Um, I don't know what there is to, mm-hmm. to glean from that, but it's just kind of interesting how mm. I don't know if Lazarus can even hear uh, the rich man or see him or obviously a good point. the rich man is addressing Lazarus, but it's Abraham that's answering every single time. I don't really know what kind of significance. I never thought that. about that. I never of, thought about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, any anything, any reason would just be just speculation. It doesn't say why that is, but um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, no, it, it, it is kind of interesting. Um, but it's like, I, I was just talking to you about um, this recent clip of Joe Rogan basically going on for like a minute on his podcast explaining how great it would be if you had like a manual that tells you exactly how to operate a human like how should a human live what should a human do what does the peak performance look like all this stuff he did and he did not say a single thing that was not that is not answered in the bible right the bible actually gives you the answers to literally every single thing he asked for now I, i get that there's a lot of religious books that like talk to themes like that i mean i get it but still, the point shouldn't be missed that, like, you, you do have people who are asking for a manual of how to do life. And it's like, that's what this is. And even people like Jordan Peterson are an interesting case because Jordan Peterson, at least as of this recording, and as far as I know, is not himself a Christian, but views the Bible as a, a sort of a sort of ascended wisdom of some sort that is at that level of like of this basically is a manual for for the right way to live for this, like the bible is how you life as a human and do it successfully even though he somehow holds that belief without even being a, a you know a committed uh believing in god if you will as a real entity so it's real fascinating stuff how how real and timely like this parable is even in our even in our day yeah absolutely um it, it after kind of getting through all that it those are kind of what i think is the interesting points talking about looking at it from a story perspective um and then you get to the the theological and spiritual implications of it and then it just kind of gets into the things that that we kind of all know and almost speaks to you know treat your neighbor as yourself the first shall be last and the last first um mm-hmm. i'm not sure if there's too much there to hash out there but it just kind of goes again to teaching the lessons that we're all familiar with yeah, well, it's it's back to the theme of um, uh, so the other day I was watching. There's an interview you can find online. Um, it's a uh, Greg Kokel, who is a good uh, author, Christian apologist, and speaker. And he is uh, it's like this hour long conversation where Lee Strobel is the host, and it's like him and 
Deepak Chopra. And they're going back and forth. And, um, you know, like Deepak wants to be, well, I, I learned things from all religions, you know, love and compassion are the ultimate, whatever, whatever. And Greg's like, I know, I understand that. And to a certain point, I even agree with you. The question is, where do you get your religious beliefs from and why like you're still saying that your beliefs are correct and yet I'm doing the same thing, except I'm actually providing a foundation for them. And you're saying that I'm being hateful and exclu- you know, exclusive and, and all of that. And so um, I think uh, the point I'm trying to underscore there is that even if you have these good things, like, you know, we, it talks about, um, you know, the earthly wealth and being the rich man on earth and being, like you said, being first on earth has nothing to do with how you're treated in the afterlife, literally nothing. I mean, you can, you can be richer than God to use a turn of phrase and be a, and be a fine Christian and have, you know, and, and be, uh, you know, well done, not good and faithful servant, you know, in the afterlife. And that's totally fine. Um, or you can be the poorest of the poor, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter for that, which is why anyone who places their faith and their trust in the, wealth or satisfaction or um uh the um uh what am i looking for for somebody to like praise them um the esteem if you will of the world if you spend all your time working on that um then again that is passing it's transient it doesn't it doesn't mean anything in the afterlife and that's what the rich man learned in this parable and the one thing that mattered he learned that once it was too late there's nothing you could do about so um, yep. it's very important stuff. Yeah, I I agree, Steve. Um, and well, and let me make one more point. Um, this is why we see these themes in stories, right? Yeah. So talking about the story side of things, it's like again, there's a reason why these sorts of themes are the ones that get us going. They're the ones that make us emotionally buy into a story. You know, we want the good guy to win. We want to be saved. All of those sort of things. You see that. You see that here. It's like you can make fun of religion all you want to, but when you go to the movies every week or like watch a show on Netflix or whatever, you're seeing this same stuff played out in regular everyday life. The only question from the worldview perspective is, do you have a basis, a foundation for it? Or do you just think it because you saw it on a TV show or whatever? And so the Christian wants to say, well, we have a basis and a foundation for it. It's because it's because God cares about these things. So I think it's fascinating. It's funny, too, how uh, like if you look at your most popular shows and movies, it's typically like your Marvel stuff where it's not even uh, gray. Like it's black and white. You have your good guys and you have your bad guys. And you know, mm-hmm. even though there might be some stumbling blocks on the way, the good guys are always going to win. The bad guys are always end up losing it. You still watch it because it's it's what people like to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even even when they make the uh, spoiler alert for Ahsoka, even if they make the bad guy win temporarily, um, yep. you know, the point is that the light side. And look, look, look. That's actually a really good segue, a really good point because um, I saw. Uh, in one of the videos that I was watching uh, after I watched the last episode of, of Ahsoka, um, you know, George Lucas accepting an award earlier on for one of the things that he did, talking about, you know, his idea behind the Force. And, you know, like the, so the way that the Star Wars series seem to be going now is really getting more into the fact that the Force is in everyone. Mm. And, 
um, rather than just like only certain kinds of people or special people or like tuned to it. There are more, there are people who are more tuned to it than others, of course, but like they're, they're, they're leaning more into this idea that anyone who trains hard enough and who opens their mind enough can, can get access to the force. And it's like in George Lucas's mind, the force was um, to the extreme dark side, selfishness yep. and to the extreme light side, compassion. And look, I'm sure George Lucas is no Christian, but how can you have a more Christian theme than that? The one, con- the, the controlling, just the controlling, I'm just going to use the word force, just go with it, okay? The controlling force of the universe pulls toward compassion for other people or selfishness, right? And that is the Christian message at its very core, starting in Genesis 3. Um and so there it is. It's in everything that you see, and it's inescapable. Um. Anyway, I can say a lot more, but I'm going to shut up there. Yes, yes. Please do, Steve. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Screw um, you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that moves us all along to uh, story of the week then. Yeah, yeah. I guess you can talk now. I'll talk for 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> so my story of the week, I guess it's kind of a story, kind of cool. My wife... Uh, won tickets to go see the uh, NASCAR uh, uh, playoff uh, race. I guess they call it the playoffs in, in NASCAR this Sunday. And I don't, I follow it by default, the living in Mooresville, North Carolina, like just like mm. barely enough. So I sound intelligent when someone brings it up. I'm but, not sure how intelligent you sound. Do they really call it the playoffs? I don't think they do. Do they? Yeah, they do. I'm pretty sure they do. They do? Yeah, let me take a look. Really? Uh, series NASCAR Cup playoffs. Yeah, do they, they really talk? They have, like, yeah, okay, they standings. do. Yeah. I'm the idiot, turns out. Cool. Yeah, yeah they got the playoff standings. So anyway, the person who's number one in the playoff standings right now is William Byron, and he went to Liberty, and like Liberty sponsors him. He has the LU car and everything. And really? so that kind of gets me a little bit more intrigued with it, just kind of following him. So he's barely in first place, so I, I'm actually really looking forward to it going in watching i think might be watching wow. more of the uh, the crowd behavior than the actual race something tells me i'll um find that very interesting but so i'm looking Man. forward to it. it's at the charlotte motor speedway and uh yeah i'm pretty excited about it that is that is so cool i mean you'll have to let me know how those left turns go you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah like, I, I, this one i and again i don't really i've been watching the f1 documentary on netflix which is phenomenal um it's super good and fortunately, it looks like that the Charlotte Speedway, at least for this race, has quite a few actual like twists and turns with only one straight away. Really? And so I'm hoping that's what it's set up to be. Because you're right, I don't, I can find, I, I can get impressed by pretty much everyone who's a master at their craft, but it's hard to just stay engaged with a loop-de-loop. Um, again, <laughs> the, the, the F1 documentary is really good. And I think I'm expecting this race to be good as well. So yeah, that, that was an old Jim Gaffigan comedy bit. They're making a left turn. Like how exciting. Oh, you know what? It might've been Jeff Dunham. Might've been Jeff Dunham. Um, yeah. with, yeah, it was, it was Jeff Dunham with his Bubba, I think. Um, mm. um, yeah thing anyway anyway they're making a left turn it's so exciting <laughs> so anyway not into the nascar thing but there was a time when i was not into uh the ufc either and alex you changed everything for me on that so I'm, that's that's you know. true i might uh maybe i'll uh save you the suffering of getting involved in nascar 
I would I would deeply appreciate that. You got okay. Me. Is it my my turn? It my is your turn. Week. It is your turn. So I am uh, I am down eleven pounds, and that's exciting. Um, me and Alex always love to talk about weight loss things, and he likes to run. He's a sadistic animal, uh, but he likes to run, and uh, we like to eat meat and talk about meat, and so that's fun. Um, but so I've been using the Lose It app, and it's been out forever. Um, but it's like my fitness pal, except I used to think it was worse. And now it's like way better in my opinion than my fitness pal gives you some really nice insights and, and walks you through things. And the, the coolest thing that it does. So the other day I was watching, uh, just a video it was a short video. I was actually, ironically, the video was in conjunction with another app, by the way. Like, so if you're going to turn it tune out right now, okay, fine. But if you ever want to lose weight, don't tune out because I think I have an, an insight to share with you. Okay. So, so here's the thing. I was watching this video and he talked about the three levers. He, like his name is Dr. Peter Atia. He's actually making the rounds uh, on the, on all the podcasts and shows. And he's got a really good book called outlive. It's about the science of longevity. So he's a longevity doctor. And um, he talks about the three levers of metabolic health that you can pull at any one time, um, depending on your the state of your metabolic uh, metabolic health and <clears throat> weight you need to lose and all of those things. Um, you may have to pull two or even three of those levers all at the same time. And so the levers are um, CR, TR, and DR: calorie restriction, um, time restriction and dietary restriction, right? So I've never thought about it like this because, you know, all the fad diets sort of sell their own little thing, right? And so for a while, I was on keto. Uh, I'm still on keto, but I've, I've been doing keto 90% of my life since late 2015, early 2016. And I had an initial push where I lost about 60 pounds and then I gained back about 20. And that's where I've been literally for the last six years or so, six or seven years at this point. Um, I just never have been able to really crack that plateau. And um, so since the 23rd of September, we're recording this on October 5th. Since the 23rd of September, I lost 11 pounds uh, to date. And um, really it's back to good old fashioned. I can't believe I'm saying this. If you're in the keto world, these are like, you know, fighting words. Uh, good old-fashioned calorie count. And, but what's cool about this app is it gives you the context for everything right there. And so I am looking at my fasting, which is time-restricted feeding, right, the TR. I'm looking at my dietary, so it's automatically got the whole app configured in a way to talk to me intelligently because I'm doing keto. So it knows that. So it shows me net carbohydrates. It, it factors in all my goals for that. It shows me the right foods. It, it adjusts my nutrition plan based on that. Everything based on the fact that I want to eat keto. And if you don't want to eat keto, fine. It'll it'll adjust to whatever you want to do. But also, it has the context, of course, of the calorie counting. And so just the basic science, calories in, calories out. I mean, even though that's a little more complicated than that. But so basically... I am looking at a holistic view of my health and I can, I can pull on whatever lever I need to, to make it all work. And right now I'm pulling on all three levers and guess what? My weight is dropping at like, I think my, my rate is an average of 3.7 pounds per week. 
mm. right now that my weight is dropping by pulling all three of these levers at the same time. I'm still eating keto. I'm still getting full. I'm just doing a lot less snacking and just keeping everything within the numbers. And it gives you this great dashboard and all your progress tracking and milestones. It's really great. So for me, what's working is this combination of, of this idea of pulling the three levers and then um, using the Lose It app. Uh, that really makes you able to see all of this stuff at a glance and in a really, really helpful way and makes it super easy to, um, to track. And honestly, I've just sort of created this arbitrary rule for myself that like there are no such things as cheat days. But the reason is because I can always pull one of the levers, right? So even if I have a day where I want to just go, hey, we're going to have Carabas that evening or whatever. I know if I eat Carabas, I'm probably going to go over on my calories and my carbs, but I can at least fast that day, right? I can at least get a 16-hour fast in that day and then eat whatever I want to that night and then back on track with the – so you never feel like you're deviating off the plan because the plan is always in front of you. It's just which levers are you pulling today, and if you're in sort of actively – trying to lose weight, then you're probably going to be pulling all three levers for a period of time until you get to where you want to be. And then you can sort of let up on things as, as it adjusts. But I don't know. I think it's one of the most powerful concepts because it just, it just gets rid of all of the fad stuff. It's just math and science at that point. Um, if you're going to, if you pull all three of these levers, you have to, your body has to get where it needs to be because your body is made to do that. It's made to put itself into homeostasis at that level. And if you're just keeping the numbers right based on where you're at, then you'll get there. So I thought that was really, really interesting. It's been really helpful for me. That's cool. Cheers to 11 down and 11 and 11 more to come. 11. Yeah. And, and more and many more. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get to, I'm at 233 right now, 233.3. And the goal is 185. Nice. So I've never been, I, I, I was that low in like fourth grade. So I, it's been, so <laughs> when all that happened, I have, when no I was in kindergarten, basically. Yeah. So anyway, that's my long story of the week. Awesome. Good story of the week, Steve. Cool. It's exciting. I think, I think that's all we have for everyone. I think tonight. that's it. Yeah. That's all folks. All right. Well, uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for hanging out. Next time we're going to talk about, I think, um, the purpose behind parables and why Jesus parables. parables. We got another movie night coming up in a couple weeks, and then I think Steve and I are we've we've kind of honed in on the parables and some biblical stuff, and I think we're really going to switch gears. And Steve has um, kind of brought up maybe doing like a uh, like a book kind of not read through but analysis of uh, reading yeah. together and going through it. Um, just kind of think yeah. of some uh, some fun things to to go over. Um, if there's anything you yeah. want, you want to hear us talk about and drop a comment. I'd, I'll tell you what I'd like to do is this is in the nonfiction realm, but it's really inspiring. Um, I'd love to talk about the Elon Musk book at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying that. Yep. So, yep. His biography. Perfect. All right, Steve. All right. Until next time. All right, my friends, you guys take care. Uh, don't forget to share it with your friends. Hide your kids, hide your wife, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you later.